Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Hockey Sense. It's episode 102 of the podcast and do not adjust your computer screens, your TV sets. I am in studio today in Austin at the Flow Sports HQ and boy, what a beautiful facility. I've been here plenty of times before, but I've never recorded the podcast. Really excited to do it. And if you are not watching the podcast, well, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But thank you for listening. So anyway, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got the World Juniors. We've got Canada's roster. We've got USA Camp starting up. We even got the new Czech roster. We're still waiting on the Finns roster. But we're going to talk World Juniors today. We'll talk a little bit about some of the questions that you guys have had and also some NHL draft talk in there as well. So getting to it today, we're going to start with the U.S. camp because as we're recording this, Canada has just wrapped up their last exhibition game prior to naming their final roster. So we'll hope for some breaking news here. Otherwise, I have a pretty good idea of what I think that roster will look like. And we'll talk about that. We also will have an episode next week previewing the entire tournament. So really looking forward to that. Before we get rolling on today's show, I do want to talk a little bit about kind of some of the new things that you're going to be seeing from Flow Hockey. Uh, if you go to our Instagram page, if you go to TikTok, Facebook, you're going to see a lot more content. So make sure that you are following those accounts. We have Liz Child on our team, uh, and she has really advanced uh, where we're going to take our social media presence. And then also a lot of World Junior video content is coming out. So make sure you stay tuned to all of our social channels and uh, obviously flowhockey.tv where you will see a ton of World Junior coverage, including a piece that is live right now, answering the questions that we think Team USA still has to answer before going to the World Juniors. They are going to enter the tournament as probably the favorite. They've got the goaltending. They've got the forward group. And, you know, they, they have an offensive, possession-minded defense, which should help them in this tournament. Now, there are still a lot of things kind of left to be determined. So you can go read that piece. There's a lot in-depth there. But we are going to talk about some of that today because there's a lot to get to. Um, the first thing, so let's talk a little bit about the depth of Team USA. Those were that, That's where some of the roster decisions are going to come in. And with that, you've got a, 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 a lot of players for a scarce few amount of roster spots. There are a couple things that could change that. We've talked a little bit about Rucker McGrory and his health status. Um, that remains a question unanswered, and that's something that Team USA is going to have to figure out pretty quickly to figure out how they're going to structure their lineup. We would figure that you know McGrory is a second or third line winger when healthy. Um, if he is not healthy, I think that vaults, you know, I, we, we're pretty sure Gabe Perot will play with Will Smith and Ryan Leonard, and that he'll be uh, a second line, maybe even a first line winger. Um, and then 
you know, if McGroarty can't play, I think that really opens the door for Isaac Howard and his ability to play with, you know, Frank Nazar, Gavin Brindley. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of figure out what those lines will look like. But I think Team USA would really like to have Rucker McGroarty and all the things that he brings with goal scoring, with, with, with basically his, his physicality, his grittiness, his work ethic, um, and then his leadership which I think is really important for Team USA and why they're going to give him every opportunity to make this team. But when we look at the depth forwards as well, you know, how is the fourth line going to be structured? Um, and they have great options. You've got Kerry Terrance, you've got Oliver Moore, Danny Nelson, Gavin Hayes, William Whitelaw, Quinn Finley. That's probably the group that we're talking about competing for spots on the fourth line. Now, with that group, you don't have your traditional fourth line of grind, muck, you know, just really slow everything down. You've got a group that can provide scoring depth. You've got a group that can play defensively. And you're hoping you have a couple of penalty killers there. I think Oliver Moore makes a lot of sense. You know, I think you look at Gavin Brindley, he'll probably be one of the primary penalty killing forwards on this team. So that's all positive for Team USA. So they've, they've got options, but McGroarty's health is probably the most important thing to figure out. On the defense, they don't have the same level of depth. And there's also a bit of a complication. Um, Aaron Manedian, who plays for Boston College, was not in the summer camp, but was invited to this camp, was suspended by Hockey East for one game. Now, that doesn't sound bad, right? He misses a game. Well, it does complicate things for USA. Boston College has no games between now and the World Juniors, which means that suspension will not have been served in time to run off before the World Juniors. And because of that, the IIHF will have to review whether or not Aaron Manettian can play for Team USA. And now he's already in the bubble. So if the, in, in past instances, the IIHF has honored those suspensions. And so that means Aaron Manettian is suddenly on the outside looking in, I would think, because he would almost certainly have to miss a game for Team USA, and when you're already talking about a depth option, I think that kind of knocks them out. We don't know that for, for sure. Well, that'll be answered in camp. Um, if, the, if you think he's going to help you win the tournament, you'll let him sit a game. Um, but there's also the possibility of the IIHF reviewing the infraction and declaring him ineligible for the tournament. Highly unlikely scenario, but it, there is a precedent, and there is a precedent for Team USA, and that's Stefan Nazan. Uh, I can't remember the exact year right off the top of my head at this moment, but he was suspended 10 games by the OHL. Now that's a 10-game suspension, very different from a one-game suspension, but a 10-game suspension, and he was ruled ineligible to play at the World Junior Championship because of that suspension. So it's a little bit of a quirk in the IIHF bylaws where you know you can't avoid 
your suspension by going to the World Juniors. So that's a complicating factor. So if you take Manettian out of the equation, who does that leave? And, and you know, I think for Team USA, the guys that are on the bubble, Sam Renzel, uh, Eric Polkamp, um, Drew Ford, Askew, Patrick Geary, you know, I think the bubble is pretty big for, for USA's decor. Um, you know, with Menenian out, that's a right shot out of the equation that likely more positively impacts a guy like Polkamp, a guy like Renzel. Uh, but the key is where, what are you going to do with the depth of your defense? And I think that's probably the question that this portion of the camp, which begins Thursday, uh, will have to figure out. Now, I'll be on the ground uh, for the first two days of camp, um, and, and we'll hopefully get an idea of what we think USA will look like in terms of lines, roles, special teams, different things like that. But there's so much that they have yet to figure out that they're really going to have to focus on. So, you know, as as Team USA gets through this camp, I think we'll see a little bit more um, clarity in terms of what that's going to look like. But regardless of how the roster looks, we're talking about the deepest forward group of any country in this tournament. And we're talking about the, you know, the maybe the best goaltending tandem and which of those two guys, we talked about it last week, which of Trey Augustine and Jacob Fowler will be the guy. And that is something that we will wait to find out and we'll see if we get any clarity in camp. But, you know, having two guys that you can trust in that situation, and you also have to remember Trey Augustine is eligible to return for a third World Junior Championship next year. This is Jacob Fowler's one and only chance to play for Team USA. And you have to figure he's going to want to prove himself and prove that it should be him that's the number one when you've got Trey Augustine, who was the incumbent starter. So very fascinating to see where all that goes. So we're, we're still waiting on word at this point about Canada's World Junior roster. Uh, we have some ideas of what that will look like ultimately. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit in the hypothetical, um, a little bit more than we talked last week. So before I got on the show today, there was a little bit of a rumbling in the scouting community and you never know exactly how certain that is, but some rumbling that the possibility for Canada adding one of or both of Matthew Poitra from the Boston Bruins and Zach Benson from the Buffalo Sabres was still on the table as of yesterday. Um, we won't know that until the roster is named. Um, Canada may say we're waiting and they bring a heavy roster to Europe. Um, those are the things that we don't know as of this recording if it's going to happen. However, what we did see was that you know Canada played two exhibition games with their camp roster against U Sports All Stars, and 
those games are always competitive. You know, people say, well, if it's the Canadian World Junior team, they should smoke the U Sports teams. We have to remember those U Sports players, by and large, are anywhere from three to four years older. Uh, some are just a year or two years older, but a lot of them are older. And that provides a great challenge for this Canadian roster and particularly for this one. We know it's not a star-studded group. We know that they, they are missing several of the key players. In camp, there is only one player that was on the team last year, and that's Owen Beck, who played three games in last year's tournament. So that is another challenge that Canada is going to have to bridge. They don't have as much experience as USA. They don't have as much experience as uh, Sweden. They don't, as even the Czechs or the Slovaks. Um, they have talent, no question about that. We're not worried about Canada lacking talent. They've got a number of first round draft prospects that will be there. They've got, uh, or guys that were drafted in the first round. They've got Macklin Celebrini, who we think will fully make the team in an elevated role for Team Canada. But, you know, this is probably one of the most challenging Canadian teams to build given the NHL losses and given the player pool that's available to them. This was not one of the strongest Canadian player pools. And then you take players out of it and you have fewer places where you can close the gap. You know, you look at the goaltending position, that's something that they still very much need to figure out. Um, you know, they, they split those games with the U Sports teams and they lost their most recent game six to one. And they sat Owen Beck, they sat Tristan Luno, they sat Maverick Lamaru, Connor Geeky, all guys that are locks for this roster. So they're probably not super concerned, but you can't feel amazing about how everything is going to look. So Canada at this point, still waiting on word what that final roster is going to look like. But this is going to be one of the rare occasions where they enter the tournament and even, you know, the betting odds may favor them, but they are not the favorite. And that can be a dangerous thing. Uh, a Canadian team with an underdog mentality has often been very dangerous. Um, you know, so that's that's going to be something that that we wait to learn a little bit more about is what is that mentality? How does that impact this team? Will they be a legitimate contender for gold when you've got a more experienced, deeper U.S. team? a more experienced, deeper Swedish team. Um, and then you have all of these other questions around you. So really fascinated to see how that works out. Um, couple of other things that have complicated the, the Canadian roster construction at this point. Um, injuries, Tanner Molendyke, you know, young defenseman. He did get into the game against the U Sports team on Wednesday. Will he be healthy enough to go? Um, that's not something that Canada can necessarily wait around to find out because their blue line is a little bit in flux. Um, you know, we think it'll be Tristan Luno, Maverick Lamoureux, uh, uh, Denton Matejchuk. Those are guys that we think will be there. But a guy like 
Molendyke, who's a tremendous skater uh, and can push the pace offensively, would be a valuable add for their team. But if he's not healthy, you have to, you know, kind of worry about that. Um, Jordan Dumay also missed the remain. He, he played in the first period Wednesday, did not play the second and third periods. I think he's on the roster as long as this is not a, a situation. Um, you know, but he's he is dealing with some issues. They they kept him out of the second half of that game as a precaution, but all signs are pointing to him being part of this roster. But you know, I I think you know Canada's hopes are probably going to rest heavily on the shoulders of guys like Macklin Celebrini, who's 17 years old, um, and and a guy that you know Canada typically has not had to have their young players forced into a big role, Macklin Celebrini will be. Um, and, and he has proven throughout his career that no matter what situation you put him in, he thrives. And, you know, we've been following here, uh, him here on Flow Hockey since his rookie season with the USHL. Rookie of the year, player of the year, forward of the year, clean sweep. This year, currently third in NCAA scoring for Boston University as a number one center. I think Canada would be wise to continue to throw a lot at him, and he will do well. But regardless of what this final roster looks like, and I don't think we're going to get our answers before we're done recording, but again, we'll have a full preview of the tournament next week. Um, on this, we will talk more at length about this Canadian roster, but questions remain even as it's not built. So I, I think that this is going to be a Canadian team that has its work cut out for them. Um, and there are a lot of good teams and they're playing in a tough group. You've got Sweden and Finland. You start the tournament against Finland. Finland, not a great age group for them, but Still, that is a tough team to start your tournament against. And honestly, if I'm Team Canada, I'm really happy that I'm starting with that because you want a little adversity early so that every single player on that team knows exactly what it takes to win at the World Junior level. Now, if they, they could potentially roll over Finland and then maybe they take the wrong lessons from that, but it'll be interesting to watch. And, you know, I, I, I think... This tournament is shaping up to be especially competitive. We don't have Russia still, uh, still banned from double IHF competition for reasons that, you know, are obvious at this point. Um, but, you know, we've talked about how taking one team like that out has really limited the, the competitiveness of the tournament. But what it has done is it's opened the door for more countries to claim a medal. And last year we saw Czechia win silver. And the Czechs are gonna be bringing a roster that should be competitive. Um, I don't think it's as good, it's definitely not as good as it was last year. But some key factors that we now know about the Czech roster, Yuri Kulik is on the team, huge ad one of the most important players in the age group, Matthias Sapovaliv, who was outstanding last year at the World Juniors. 
Uh, you know, he's going to be a big part of that team. Edward Shala, the, the Seattle Kraken prospect, he's on that roster. So you're looking and that could be the number one line for the Czechs. And that might be enough. That might be enough. We've seen it in previous World Juniors where if you have a line or a player that is going, you have a chance. And, and the Czechs have had experience with that. There was the 2018 World Juniors where they had, uh, they, they didn't end up meddling, but they came pretty close. And they had Philip Zadina and Martin Natchez, and those guys dominated, and it gave the Czechs a chance. Um, so this year, they've got that. I think they've got great goaltending and Michael Harabal, who's played well at various stretches of the season in UMass. It's a big stage for him, but he's a big goalie. He's got a lot of skill. So I like where they're going with that group. So you've got a very talented top line. You've got an adequate defense, but you're losing two of your best players from last year's team because of age, David Juracek and David Spacek. And then you've got Adam Juracek, who is a, a young player, but an exceptional young defenseman, likely first round and high first round pick in this year's draft. And so there's a lot to like about that Czech team, and that's going to be a threatening team. We talked about last week, Slovakia, another threatening team. They have talent. They've got Dalibor Dvorsky. They've got Adam Guyon in net. They've got a lot of pieces where you say that team could medal. Um, and, and they have, as we mentioned, both of those teams have more world junior specific experience for this, uh, for this endeavor. So really excited to get to Sweden to see what all this looks like. Um, you know, the, the fact that it's all in Gothenburg, it's all contained. We're going to get a chance to see a lot of the teams um, and, and see them just through the preliminary round, through the medal round, and we'll have a real good idea uh, of where things go. So, um, you know, the other thing that I wanted to touch on about the rest of the field is like, I, I really do feel that this is a pretty open competition. You know, I don't think Switzerland, Norway, Latvia, though Latvia is not, this is a good birth year for them. They've got a number of players that, that will allow them to compete with that mid tier, which, you know, even a fifth or sixth place finish for Latvia is a huge accomplishment in this tournament when you've so often had to play in the relegation round. I don't think, you know, they're, they're a huge risk of that, but it'll be interesting to watch. And, and the Swiss, this is a year where they're going to have to prove themselves once again with fewer players that are, you know, of the caliber that will allow them to compete with the top tier teams and maybe even the mid tier teams. Um, so it just feels like anything can happen in Sweden. And I cannot wait to see what that looks like. So we don't, you know, normally we would have a lot of questions and, and get to your questions. Um, you know, I was hoping we were going to have a little bit more of Canada to talk about and, and a specific roster. But I did want to bring the focus to this year's NHL draft because we will have a number of players at the World Juniors. 
uh, to watch. We will have you know the second half where everything really ramps up. Um, I know that I told you guys about having my draft rankings ready weeks ago, um, but you know COVID hit and everything else happened, and we're just you know it didn't work out. But what I what I think. I've been seeing from this class this year is, you know, this is a great year to be looking for defensemen. It's a great year to be getting the number one pick. I really do think that Macklin Celebrini has created a large separation between himself and the field. Um, you know, we won't see Cole Iserman at the USA camp, which again, Difficult for him, but I don't think that changes the fact that he's still a top five talent. He's an elite goal scorer. His primary trade is really necessary in hockey. Um, but, you know, I look at Artem Levshinov at, at Michigan State, and uh, if you are fans of college hockey and you know what the Great Lakes Invitational is, you'll be able to watch that on Flow Hockey and get two games worth of Artem Levshinov and you know I, I really do think he has the potential to push for second overall but you know I, I think there's gonna be um, a lot of focus on which of the forwards like Caden Lindstrom who we had a ton of questions about it seems like everybody wants to talk about him because you got a 6-5 forward that can score and is scoring in the WHL, which gets a lot of people excited. Um, but, uh, you know, will he break through? Will he, Will Cole Iserman stay at that top tier? Will Ivan Demidov get healthy and get back into that conversation? Um, you know, those are the things that are still yet to play out, and we'll get into all of that in the second half, which I can't wait for. I think it's going to be a ton of fun to, to really dive in to this draft class because there are so many different things that can happen. So I, normally we'd throw our questions up on the screen, but the questions that I do have have came via direct message. So we're not going to throw those up. Um, but did want a question, uh, or did want, did get a question from dude. We get a lot of, uh, Montreal Canadiens fans that listen to this podcast. Um, and we appreciate you. And so we love to get your questions and we love to answer them. Um, so this question from dude is, is, uh, you know, even with all the injuries, it looks like the Habs may be drafting in the early teens. What forwards do you think might be ranked in that range with all the depth? the Habs already have on D. All things being equal, I think they'd target a forward. Well, Montreal, of course, drafted Dave Reinbacher last year, the, viewing him as the, as the defenseman of the future for them. You know, you've got Caden Gooley, you've got a number of players, you've got Lane Hudson. But, you know, I think in a year like this, the Habs should not be position-focused. They have to get the best player. They're still at a stage in their development as an organization where you need more. You've got a lot of high-end prospects, but you've got a lot of questions. You've got a lot of guys that you, you don't know what kind of role they're going to play. So, so I still think you know that they should be looking at all of their options um, and not 
focused on one position specifically. But since you asked about forwards specifically, I feel like it's only fair to answer your question and some of those guys in the teens. And there's going to be a lot of different kind of questions like, you know, where where does that run on defensemen stop? And if it doesn't stop in that, you know, top 10, where does it go next? And but you look at different guys that could potentially be there in the early teens. Michael Branseg Nygaard, who's going to play in the World Juniors for Norway. You'll be able to see him against USA in the opening game on Boxing Day. There are some that think he's a top 10 po- prospect. There are some that think he's mid, mid-range mid of the first round. But I think he plays exceptionally hard. He's got a heavy game. He's got scoring ability. You know, he hasn't put up a ton of points in, in Sweden this year, which is where he plays in the Allsvenskan. But that's a guy that I'd be fascinated by because he gives you a little bit of, of what you need. Because if you say... All right, we've got Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. We'd, I, I think you'd love to get bigger up front. You'd love to be in a position to get a guy like a Caden Lindstrom. And yeah, you have Kirby Doc and other players that will fill some of those gaps. But I think that's the kind of player you're looking for. Big question for the Canadians. Trevor Connolly, is he a legitimate option for them? I don't know if you watch the World Junior A Challenge, but through two games, he's been a very effective player. He's been... Uh, scored an incredible goal against Sweden, which our which our own Ryan Sykes tagged and threw up on Twitter, uh, slash X slash what have you, um, as another you know example of of his talent level. And he's he's a good skater. He's a he plays the game hard. You know, consistency this year hasn't necessarily been there, um, but that's not really the question. We've talked about it all year. Teams are doing deep dives on Connolly in terms of character, maturity, different things like that because of things in his past. Um, But that's a player that fascinates me. Um, You know, Beckett Seneke, you know, he's starting to rise up the list uh, from the the Oshawa Generals. You know, not as productive, um, but uh, an interesting player. You know, I think he'd easily be available in that range. Liam Greentree, who scored a ton for, for Windsor. I mean, these are the guys that are in that range um, that you'd be talking about. The, the real wild card of the first round, at least at this early stage, and I don't know if it's going to be a wild card for long, is where Consta Hellenius from Finland is going to go. Playing for Eucharit in the Liga currently, 20 points already in 28 games substantial impact i think he's going to be a key player for finland at this year's world juniors now we're talking about him as a legitimate top five potential prospect Uh, i've liked his game every time i've seen him i think there's a lot to like about what he does he still needs to get stronger he still needs to you know tack on some muscle but that's a player that I have a really high opinion of that at this early stage, like he's really starting to be looking like a top 10, top five pick. Um, so the likelihood that he's there in the range that we're talking about for the Habs, not necessarily there. Um, so, but, but I think if you're Montreal, again, I think the important thing 
is not to get focused on a position when the key for them is to continue adding the highest end prospects pos possible. There are a lot of options available to them. All right, so we don't have, uh, that was the one question I spent more time than I planned to, but it at least allowed us to get into that 2024 draft discussion, which we'll talk a lot more about after the World Juniors. Um, but, you, you know, think about the players that I just mentioned. You know, you've got, you've got players like Consta Hellenius, Michael Branseg, Nygaard. Um, you know, you'll have Macklin Celebrini. So you're going to get a good look at a number of players that are high-end prospects for this year's draft. You're going to get some re-entry guys, both on probably on USA, on Sweden, on uh, Canada, that will also garner interest. Um, and then all of while this is going on, we've got the World Junior A Challenge happening in Canada. All players that you can watch the rest of the season on Flow Hockey. All the Canadian players, with the exception of a couple, play in CJHL leagues that you can watch on Flow Hockey. Team USA, entirely made up of USHL players. So if you want to get a better handle on the 2024 NHL Draft, if you want to know players in the first round, players down into the all rounds, get on Flow Hockey, subscribe. It's Christmas time. It's the holidays. Treat yourself and get a subscription for the rest of this year and into next season. The annual subscription, great savings, and it's a great time to get into the 2024 NHL Draft. I've seen some incredible action from the BCHL, the OJHL. You can just sit down on your laptop, in front of your TV for hours on end and watch the USPHL during the day. <laughs> you could watch you know, the, the Ontario Junior Hockey League at night, the ECHL. You've got so many options available to you. And uh, stay tuned for some more content coming your way around all of those leagues. And as I mentioned, make sure you are following Flow Hockey across social platforms. We're everywhere. We've got tons of stuff coming. We've got a lot more World Juniors uh, coverage coming. So flowhockey.tv, the Flow Sports app, all of our social media. If you're not following yet, get there now. And while you're at it, if you haven't yet, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. You can always watch us on YouTube and you can also watch us on flowhockey.tv or via the Flow Sports app. So get those subscriptions in now and enjoy our coverage throughout the rest of the World Juniors, the NHL Draft, the season at large, so much coming in the second half. And make sure you join us next week for our World Junior Championship preview episode. We will go team by team. We will go player by player, not quite player by player, but we will highlight the top players, the top teams, the medal favorites, and cannot wait to get to Gothenburg. I'm about to hop on a flight to head over to Michigan to Team USA's World Junior Camp. Check out all of my dispatches from there, but lots more to come. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you next week. My name is Chris Peters. This is Talking Hockey Sense. We'll catch you next time.